Christmas is just around the corner, but unfortunately this year the Bordens didn't get to deck the halls. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make allness statements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of December the 22nd. We are excited about Christmas, but it's a peculiar Christmas for us this year, so we thought we might talk through how it has developed this way and how we are reacting to it. Uh, we are not um, opposed to Christmas in any way. We are both Christians. We're both excited about Christmas. But here we are sitting in a pole barn that has not been decorated for Christmas at all. Not in my usual fashion. We have of course, Christmas cards that people have sent us, and I always put those out in a basket to enjoy. And I have my Christmas mugs out, um, and we're playing Christmas music right now. You may hear some in the background. But you're right. This is the first year that we have not gone, you know, that I can say that I have not gone all out decorating, because that's usually what I do. And let's talk a little bit about what we mean by going all out. We have in our suburban home. I guess they're still there now. Is that where all those boxes are? Mm -mm, they're in my mother's attic. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, we own um, approximately 15 boxes of Christmas paraphernalia of all, ki all kinds. Um, and it's a big deal for you to decorate for Christmas. And that I say that so we can understand just how weird this must feel for you. Right. Last year was unusual because we decorated, but we decorated our lake place because that's where we celebrated Christmas with our um, California kids who came in to visit. And, um, and so we, and that was a little stressful because I had to go back and forth with the boxes. And uh, since we live about 30 minutes from the lake place, that, that had its its challenges. But I still got to have a Christmas tree and lights on the tree and put some of my favorite decorations around and use the Christmas china and all of that. This year, we're not doing any of that. The Christmas china is sitting, that is here, it's not at Mama's, but um, I haven't gotten that out because there's no point in it. We are uh, not entertaining here for, for Christmas. Christmas. Right. We'll be doing some traveling in and around Christmas Day to uh, visit with others. So uh, just never were able to muster the enthusiasm to decorate just for the two of us. Right. It's just, and um, those who've listened to the podcast know that our ultimate plan is where we're living now will not be a site for entertainment. It's our big bedroom, really. It's our living space. But when we build our lodge, um, I, I, you're forewarned, Lee, that I do plan to go all out decorating that lodge the way I always have. I know it's coming. I will gird my loins. Well, how's, how's all this affecting you this Christmas? How are you perceiving it? How are you feeling about it? Well, it's a little depressing. Um, although I, I, the true meaning of Christmas, this is going to sound trite, it really isn't about um, how many decorations you have out. It's It's as you said, we're Christians and we understand 
the sacrifice it took for God to become man, to become low like we are and come to earth to for our salvation. And that's what I believe happened. Um, but, you know, aside from that, Christmas in our 2010 United States world and, and other parts of the world as well, not just here, has become social, has become a time for family to get together, has become a time for, for me, admittedly, some sentimentality. Uh, you know, my grandmother, I have such fond memories of my grandmother's house on Christmas Eve. And my mother was just reminding me uh, the other day when we were together that my grandmother loved Christmas so much. That was her favorite time of the year. Both of her children are born in mid-December. Her anniversary was in December, right before Christmas. I mean, it all happened for her there. And maybe some of that got passed down to me. I don't know. Um, and I just, so it, it's become a special time for thinking back over the years, but also enjoying the family that we have now. Um, so maybe that's why I'm, it's sad to me not to have some of those traditions. And we've talked some about this. The interesting thing about the way you and I are perceiving this is that we who are normally so close together on many things are perceiving this particular dynamic differently. I, too, grew up loving Christmas. I looked forward to it. I anticipated it. I was eager for Christmas to arrive. Um, during our marriage, however, I have come to dread it. Um, and the reason I have come to dread it is that it has become such an extravaganza and such a big job, frankly. So the fact that we are not doing that this year has for me become a blessed relief. <laughs> and I am enjoying this Christmas probably more than I have enjoyed one in the last many years, simply because I know but we will be with our families um, at some point during the holiday, different people, different times. So we will get a chance to see those folks we love. But we won't have to schlep all those boxes and string all those garlands. And I won't have that stuff rattling around every time I open a door. And Why don't you, yeah, let's, let's explain what a couple of those things are that you don't like. You told me the things rattling around. My mother always, and I do too, put bells on the door so that yes. when you open the door, you hear, this, you hear cheerful sounding little Christmas bells. I guess it's all a matter of your point of view. And you said you don't like the towels that I put out at Christmas, these yeah, special the towels don't work like regular the towels. The soap dispensers, some of them you don't like because right. they're there Santa Claus. And it's, it's all the same, part of the same package. It's yeah. just, it's a disruption of the coherence of daily life that I have come to dread. Well, so. I'm sorry that you feel that way. And but we've not had that this year, and it has been delightful. Right. I've had a wonderful Christmas. Well, that's good. And, and as you describe it, what you're planning to do is do all this fall de in the lodge, and here in the barn where we actually have our residence, we'll have the normal soap dispenser, the normal towel. We won't have bells on the door, so it should work fine. Good. See the we can we can actually come to agree on how to proceed, even though we don't necessarily like the same things to happen at Christmas. So I yeah. think it works out. So with all of that in mind, Merry Christmas to you and to yours here on the eve of the big day. Hope that it's a wonderful time for you. 
that you are able to enjoy it in a gentle and loving way. Right. Anything well, else we need to say about Christmas? Mm. Oh, I should point out that we do indeed have two Christmas trees here in the barn. They are perched to your left in the window there. Oh, they're tomato plants. Yeah. <laughs> of course, I didn't put any decorations on them, but they uh, one of them is, is sprouting its own decorations. It yes. has little tomatoes on there. We still haven't figured out how the pollination took place. Maybe when I put them out on the porch. It's a Christmas miracle. It's a Christmas the miracle. pollination. <laughs> <laughs> but we have been meaning all along to take a Q-tip and do a little pollination with the tomatoes to enhance the chances of fruiting. Uh, but the fact that this little tomato has formed caught us by surprise. We're I saying, know. Whoa, what did that, where'd that come from? Kind of nice. It really is. So, yes, we do have some green in here in the apartment. Um, not exactly a Christmas tree. And, you know, really when you talk about Christmas trees, that we have them all over surrounding us the way God intended, which is um, cedar growing trees. And, and Yeah, growing and alive. Going through their normal way of life, and they'll be just fine after Christmas. We're not having to yeah. kill anything. Yeah, and and that part has always disturbed me anyway. But because of the fact that we don't waste anything, we compost, um, like even the little tree we cut down last year, it's lived to serve another purpose after there you uh, go after Christmas. <laughs> so anyway, uh, well, maybe we should talk about some of those um, things that are still growing and green outside that we planted. Well, we decided and how we're keeping them alive. We would go ahead and spend some time in today's podcast um, here in the middle of the winter time talking about drip irrigation. Now, why and why on earth would we talk about that now? The reason is that we know we made a mistake in waiting until the middle of the growing season, actually the latter part of the growing season, yeah. to install our drip irrigation. So it's our hope that by bringing it up now, we can get you thinking about it so that you actually can begin the growing season here in the Northern Hemisphere with your drip irrigation system in place so that you're ready to take care of your um plants from the very beginning. That's right, because if we had, uh, it's not that we didn't want to have it there, we just weren't ready. We, it took us so long to get the deer fence finished exactly. and to get everything, it's one project at a time that it just all got pushed back, and in retrospect, we know how fatal that was for a lot of the plants, the early planting that we did. Yeah, our late season growing has been rather successful. Mm -hmm. Our early season growing was just not good at yeah, all. Yeah, and that's why when we started kind of on onto this subject, I was saying we can talk about what's out there now because the the row the nice row of fall veg that's out there now would not have survived planting without it, I don't think. Unless I'd gone out and watered it by hand every day because we had a drought this past summer. Yes, and, and it wouldn't have gotten established. Watering every day by hand, even if you were diligent enough to do it and Knowing you, you may have been diligent enough <laughs> to do know. it, but that's no substitute for drip irrigation. That's right. It's not the same, and we know that for various reasons, and I'm sure that's part of what we need to talk, to talk about yeah, here. Yeah, so let's go ahead mm -hmm. and um, sort of talk about first where we've got it. Um, we're using drip irrigation on all of Veg Hill. We have, um, I guess you could say, 14 well, 12 full rows and then a half row against the east fence line for herbs 
and a half row against the west fence line for blackberries. But basically 14 rows of drip irrigation. And for us, a row is, two, is four feet wide with a two-foot aisle, and each row has two drip tapes running down it. Um, so we've got good coverage on all of our growing space with drip irrigation and believe it made a real difference toward the end of the season. Oh, it definitely did. And as you said, the things that we planted even at the end of the summer, like, you know, for the summer veg, the the replanting, you know, when something would fail and I'd say, let me go back and put another squash plant there. Those plants did well as far as, you know, the watering needs. Now, of course, we've talked in the past about the struggles we had with insects and and that sort of thing. But um, but watering wise, they did great. And I kept thinking if we had had that at the beginning, um, my original <laughs> plantings might have had a chance. Yeah. And we also have um, drip tape on the blueberry line. We have a dozen blueberries immediately south, no, north, immediately north of the barn. And they are dripped as well as the west bed, which is on the west wall of the pole barn. And we also have header run to the microclimate bed. And as we've discussed in former podcasts, we need to get on out there fairly soon and get the drip tape installed That's there. Right. Certainly yeah. before the spring, so that because this is the time to do it. It's the soil is more accessible. Those unruly lantana of ours are tamed for the winter, and uh, this is the good time. Yeah, you're to get right. The drip this is the time. Out. Yeah. So, uh, do you want to talk about some of the logistics and the expenses and all that we? Yeah, let's uh, first incurred? talk about what it cost us to uh, purchase and install it. We um, probably have sixteen hundred in it all told, and that's including the cost of a trencher for a day. So that's really not bad when you think about well, it. Well, I mean, $1,600 is a lot of money. There, Not all of us can afford to spend $1,600, but we could justify it because we knew what a difference it would make and for how long. And for someone, if you own your own trencher, you also Certainly. don't have that And you expense. could perhaps avoid the cost of a trencher if you're willing to dig the trench by hand. But Ooh, but no, I wouldn't want to. Here we are in our <laughs> mid-50s, and we did not want to take that on. That's the trencher right. did certainly make a difference. But, uh, you know, the, and I should say that of that installation cost I'm describing, the bulk of it is one-time expense. It's the controller, it's the valves, it's the, um, well, that's, and the regulators, that sort of thing. The actual drip tape is very cheap, and we will probably end up buying more drip tape because drip tape doesn't last forever. Now, we've actually torn up a couple of right. strips and already. We'll we'll end up buying more drip tape and installing more drip tape, but I don't expect that to be all that expensive. You know, that'll be on the order of $150 for another 4,000 feet of it. So, I, I don't expect that to be a big um, expense item. The big expense is in all of the, you know, the controller and the valves and so forth, That's which right. I expect to last us until we're dead. Yeah, yeah, we think we've we've made a capital investment and it's it's in there. So right. Um, so what about the cost to actually operate the system? 
Well, as you know, we started using the drip tape and we stopped using the, the electric clothes dryer at about the same time. So we eagerly watched our power bill to see what the damage would be. Right. And, uh, what we discovered is that it didn't seem to change much. It just stayed the same, which, it, which tells me the cost of our irrigating roughly a half an acre is about the same as the cost of operating an electric dryer. So right. So, it, you know, that, and that's on the order of 10 to $12 a month. For, and we're pumping 228 feet up from our well mm -hmm. to, uh, to do that drip irrigation. It's a lot of water. I mean, we're pumping a lot of water when we drip because we're, um, during that really dry time, we were pumping three hours uh, twice a week for each zone. Right. And, but after you've invested as much as you have in of your money and seed, your time in planting, you really don't want to allow those, or, and of course, in some cases, not always seed. I might start with plants, uh, transplants. But the point is, you don't want to lose them because of the drought. So You bet. And so we didn't chintz, we, we didn't cheat our uh, irrigation. Once we have the system, we use it and use it aggressively. Right. And we plan to, to put drip uh, a drip system in the orchard, the, the orchard expansion, don't we? Which will be another, oh gosh, that'll easily another half acre, maybe an, even more than yeah. that. So it's we're going to have a lot of water that we're yeah. pumping out there with drip irrigation. But I think it's the right decision to make. Yeah, I do too. Uh, um, and, and what do you think we did right with this system, the well, mo the most, I, I think the best you decisions. could probably answer that as well as I do. Clearly, I think the first thing we did right is doing it. Yeah, I, I'm glad yeah. we have it. It made such a difference this summer. Um, I think we were smart to break it up into zones because the we're watering so aggressively that if we had to do it all at one time, we might overtax the system. We have three zones now and when we do the orchard expansion that will add a fourth zone yeah yeah um let's see what else i would say. oh i think we definitely did the right thing to go ahead and um splurge on a controller that allows us to set it all in in advance so we don't have to remember to water this week or remember right. to turn it off or anything like that. And we set it for the early morning time, which is the best time to water. And the controller well. takes care of that. It starts, it stops, it decides who, who gets when, where, uh, who gets what, when, and that all works very smoothly. Um, we have to service it. I, during the heavy watering season, I'm cleaning out that filter twice a week. And I'm probably overdoing it, but as you know, we had a little incident where our yes. filter blocked up. Yes. So I'm very nervous about. We have a lot of sand free. here, so it's, yeah, we have a sand um, problem. So issue. we we have to do that. And I think the other thing, this is a minor point, but that we did well was the expansion part that allows us to keep the mushroom logs watered. Yeah, the little yeah, that was easy to do, yeah, and we just extended one of the headers out to where we have the mushroom logs in the shade, and they get watered every. Uh, every time we water the veg hill. And another thing we did right was in conjunction with 
putting that system out there, put you know, trenching and everything, you installed several underground faucets for us that we Certainly. these boxes. I'm glad with we have those out there out in the middle of the field, so you can just. And we have your household pressure there. We're not limited to drip irrigation pressure. So we can, you know, hook up a hose pipe out on Veg Hill whenever we need just a whole lot of water fast and, mm -hmm. and do that. And I have used that, and so have yeah. you. So. And we've had it out in the orchard. Our current orchard plantings are not dripped. So whatever water those plants, those trees got, we had to use the hose right. out there. So. But they will, when we finish the orchard expansion, our hope and expectation is that everything out in the orchard will be dripped. And I'll be glad because this, the poor trees this past summer really suffered with the That's right. Drought. As diligent bad. as you are, you were not able to get around and water them as much as we would have liked. As much and, as we would have liked. And I think they, right. they paid the price yeah. for that. In terms of things we did wrong, I think the, the main one probably is that we failed to bury the drip tape. We should have buried the drip tape under an inch or two of soil from the very beginning. Because the problem we discovered, as you know, is with that drip tape lying on top of the soil in the hot summertime, it swells up during the day and it expands, so it gets, you know, it buckles out. And then it shrinks back at night when it cools down, but it doesn't shrink back in the same configuration. Yeah, it's, it's, it gets all bent. Right, it's bent and it's not watering where you want it to water the, the plants. Exactly. And, and over time, we have gradually, as I've planted new things around the drip tape, I have covered exactly. that with and soil and, and It mulch. will work better over time because we will gradually bury the drip tape. But it would have been a whole lot easier if we had just buried yeah. it all. And as we've already said, the ultimate thing we should have done differently was to do it sooner. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing, you know, that I'm now realizing is when when they were selling me this thing, they said this one has four zones. I would never have expected I would need any more zones, but we may need more zones. And, you know, we have the ability to add a little module and, pick up more zones but we got to have conductor laid out there to do that so that's um one of those things that i don't know whether we did it wrong it's just i would say always guess high about the amount of control you're going to want to have and the number of zones that you're going to want to be able to maintain right that sounds like good advice well, I guess we're just about out of time, so we will... And then some. And Sorry then we some. ran late, right, but, but um, we, we wanted to finish this idea about the drip irrigation. That's right. so. And we wish you all a very Merry Christmas, and we will uh, we'll be back on the air before the New Year, so we'll, we'll save that, but uh, have a wonderful holiday. Amen. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log, check in with Lee and Amanda, and talk with other listeners. That's longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.